0: It's the Atop the Pit Box podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh.
1: Good evening, Fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome back for another episode of the Atop the Pit Box podcast. I'm Zach Dick, along with my partner, Josh Rolfus, to talk all things Fantasy NASCAR. We'll touch base on Kansas and preview the all-star race.
0: So, Zach, we're uh we're on episode three of the podcast. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good, man. How are you? I'm uh looking forward to talk about Kansas and look forward to the All-Star race here. So before we get too far in, I we do gotta do our shout-outs. So we're gonna shout out Justin Norton for providing us all of the stats and, and data that go into the to the podcast. You can follow him at NASCAR Norton. That's where you're going to find all of the live updates for most races when he's able to do it uh, and any NASCAR news throughout the week and on race day. So if you're not on Twitter, it's a great reason to to get on there. And if you are, NASCAR Norton is a, a fantastic follow. So thanks to Justin Norton for for everything that he does behind the scenes.
1: I don't know if you uh, saw any of the post-race stuff or or any of the interviews prior to the race, but... Uh, our, our buddy Bob Pockrass, um was able to talk to Joey Logano and Willie Byron, of course, separate. Can't keep, can't have those two guys be together in the same room. Um, but he, he, he asked them, you know, about their incident in Darlington and, and what their thoughts were heading into Kansas. And I'll, I'll start out with Logano. Um, he, he was interviewed. He he thinks that he thinks they're even. He still thinks they're even after wow. after what he did. Which is just mind blowing to me, but he thinks they're even, and, and he basically said that if Willie Byron tries to tries to wreck him or he does wreck him, uh, he he's going to come back swinging even harder than he than he uh, was at Darlington, which again is just I can't believe he is doubling down on on him and uh, what he said in, in the uh, last week.
0: Yeah, doubling down on it. He had his had his opportunity to 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 kind of back away from it and. Maybe soften it a little bit, and he decides that this is the time to to double down and it's gonna be interesting to see what what happens from here, but it's uh it's hard to see that he sees it anyway else but but wrong
1: yeah no it's it, again it's just shocking that he is just keeps i guess it, if he keeps saying this out loud, maybe he's gonna you know maybe he thinks it's gonna come true and he and he really was wrong, but um. Byron was interviewed and, and he, he was pretty cordial. He said, uh, he, he definitely, uh, it's not even, but he wouldn't go as far to say that he owes uh Logano one, but that was one of the questions directly asked to him and he wouldn't answer, uh, if he directly owes Logano one or not. But if you read between the lines and everything that's gone on, uh, it's, it's fair to say that Byron owes Logano one. Um, in regards to, and I love, you know, listening to other podcasts and and getting other perspectives in regards to just the NASCAR world itself. And uh, I was listening to Door Bumper Clear, which is a podcast by by two spotters. TJ Majors is the one spotter, and there's another spotter. I can't remember what his name is, but I, I think this is a really interesting person person's view, and it's TJ Majors, who used to be a spotter for Joey Logano. So he's got some ties there. He's, he has a relationship with Joey. And his, from his perspective, he, he is on Team team Byron all day on this one. He, he says Logano flat out wrecked Willie Byron. He didn't even try to pass him clean. And, and Willie definitely owes him one. And he does not want to hear Logano B&M if Byron takes him out. Uh, he he does not want to hear it from Joey because he feels that he is he is owed one. So I thought that was an interesting interesting person's opinion, especially it has ties to Joey personally.
0: It's an interesting viewpoint from a a person that knows Logano pretty well. And you know, I I, I understand Logano's point of view where he's you know he feels like he's been wronged, but somebody in his camp needs to tell him, hey, you know, shut up you're you're wrong and let's try to let this blow over and quit trying to poke the fire and 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 just let it go. It doesn't seem like he's able to to do that on this one and just double down and just daring Byron to to take him out when when he least expects it or, you know, most expects it. So
1: No, and that's exactly I I agree with you 100%. It's almost like he's put a bigger target on himself with the way that he's handled this entire situation, if he would have just, again, try to pass him clean or or wreck him, admit that he wrecked him, which he has, but then just drop it and stop talking about it, it wouldn't maybe be such a big deal. But when he's basically, like you said, he's daring William Byron to to just come out and flat out wreck him, uh, which again, I hope happens. And I again, he's owed one, but it just seems like he is not making. Friends, he's not doing himself any favors by continuing to talk about this and put a bigger target on his
0: back. And Byron is a pretty level-headed guy. He's not one out there, you know, getting in a bunch of fights. And so, if you're going to keep pushing him and poking the bear, you know, there's only so much that he's going to take. He's a competitor. He's he's a grown man. He's he's not going to just be pushed around by Logano forever. And you know, Logano kind of seems to be. Plane will fire her on this one. So, this will be one to watch and is an interesting, uh, another battle that is kind of going on and, and rivalry happening in NASCAR at this time. So, will be interesting to watch for sure. No, nope, I agree 100%. Well, with that, let's jump into the race recap. We are looking at Kansas race. Let's start in the stage one. Did not take long for a caution to come out. Only six laps in, J.P.'s boy, Chase Briscoe, spins out, causes a, a caution. And really the, the first 30 or so laps uh, was Redick's, Redick's show. He led 20 of 29 laps and really had a pretty fast car, led the lead, led the, the field there for a while. Uh, lap 34, Larson took the lead. And at the same time, we had a, a caution for a B.J. McLeod spin out. And then we kind of get to the next storyline of Kansas, which was the pit stops for these teams. Another bad day for a lot of these teams, starting with Hamlin, another bad pit stop. He goes to the back of the field because he had a loose tire, which rolled into another box. Sindrick was also moved to the rear for a loose tire. And Austin Dillon thought it was a good idea to leave without the gas can. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah
1: it, it, it this is hamlet i mean it is unbelievable how bad his pit stops have been all year long and luckily you know with the end of the end of the race result it, it didn't come back to cost him uh, you know a solid top five finish but uh as you said the story of the day it just seemed like there was so many pit road mistakes and again the left rear tire
0: became a massive storyline in this race. It's going to be an issue and we're going to kind of talk about it here and you'll see the, the tires tire issue that that is plaguing these teams. So um, so then we jump ahead to, to lap 62 Daniel Suarez spins out the third caution of the day. He said he just needed a push and they towed him and ruined his car. So he wasn't very happy. Um, And stage one winner ends up being Kyle Bush who through that first stage Really did have a pretty fast race car. He was towards the front for most of it, and uh, he wins stage one.
1: Stage two, Willie Byron jumped out to an early lead, uh, but Kurt Busch's car was fast. He was fast all day long, kind of hunted him down, and again, the left rear tire, this is where it started rearing its head, is Willie Byron uh, cut a left rear or had left rear issues, uh, and that enabled Kurt Busch to take the lead.
0: Yeah. And he, the, the, the left rear, the tire issue in general, uh, they were talking about it on the TV broadcast about after like lap 20 or 22, they were watching for the, for the tires to blow. I mean, that's, that's gotta be pretty concerning for NASCAR to, to worry about your tires exploding, especially there's happened to a lot of, leaders a lot of people towards the front so this is definitely something that we're going to have to keep an eye on uh Tyler Reddick also you know had an issue and had tire issues
1: yeah and and man Reddick is another feast or famine type of driver he he either finishes in the top 10 or or he finishes at the back of the pack it just seems like he can't have you know a complete race right now which is unfortunate for all you fantasy teams that have Reddick on your team I'm one of them so be nice if he had a good day uh the tire issue though is becoming a really big storyline just throughout the season in regards to you know the center hub and and now you're having a lot of flat tires and i can't imagine being a race car driver going into a corner going 180 or 200 miles an hour and not knowing if you're going to have a tire issue and whether you're going to smoke the wall or not so that's got to be concerning from a driver's standpoint
0: for sure. Yeah, it's definitely something that I know Chase Elliott had mentioned something about uh, the tire and, and his crew chief had come back and said, you know, it's a, a production issue or so. It, it's it's not anything these teams are doing, um, but it is something that that we're seeing week after week. So uh, we get the fifth caution of the day on lap 127. Harvick spins out and this happened to be mid pit stop cycle. so.
1: So it kind of it kind of broke up the field. If if you recall, you know who who the top five, top eight teams were before the caution. When that caution came out, it trapped some guys a lap down. So they had to take the wave around and and you know come back through the field from the back of the pack. So that kind of shook shook the running order up there a little bit. Uh, in the end, I don't think it really mattered too much because the fast cars eventually made their made their way back to the front where they belong. But um, one of the crazier things happened in this stage and. And this was Eric the same. Jones, yeah, this is crazy. Eric Jones, they could not get his right rear tire to come off the car. And I coincidentally uh, found out today, I, I was just flipping through the TV real quick, and um, Larry McReynolds, the, the America's crew chief, the people crew chief, he talked to the uh, pit crew men on that team, and it wasn't a tire issue. The crazy thing is is, they over tightened the center hub on that wheel. They they tightened it too much, and that is the reason why they couldn't get it off. So that is the first time we've seen that all year, and and maybe a good learning experience for these teams to to know that you know they've had issues in the past where they haven't been tight enough, and coincidentally, coincidentally now uh, you can over tighten it. So it seems like there's a fine line with these tires, which is
0: uh, which is kind of unfortunate for for the rest of the field uh, moving forward. How does that happen? How does – aren't aren't the guns set to a certain pressure that would prevent that from being over-tightened? Is that – that took them – I mean, it was – I think it was five – it was two commercials, five – it was an extended period of time where they, they didn't even let the cars come down pit road because they were letting them try to change that tire. So what – how does that happen?
1: So, yeah, that's a good question. Larry Max said that apparently – the the tire changer had revved the gun up prior to making contact with the wheel and putting the center hub on and so it spun at like twice it spun at twice the number of rpms that it should have so i don't know i don't know exactly how that makes sense but he just basically said like the gun was revved up prior to him attaching a tire and that is basically what over tightened the tire so Just when you thought you saw it all, I mean, it's just, it just seems like some, a new issue pops up every week and it just, you know, surprises, surprises everybody.
0: Yeah. I hadn't seen that one. That one was, that was very comical. Uh, It was never seen him not be able to get a tire tire off the, off the car there. So uh, Kurt Busch uh, led towards the end of the stage and ends up getting the stage win. So Kurt Busch, wins stage two after his brother Kyle wins stage one. So we got the Bushes, which uh, obviously is good news to team Bush, Bush, and Busher. Truex, who was in fourth at the end of the stage, blew a left rear tire. So there's another example of of tire issues. And during the stage end pit cycle, Kyle Busch had to go to the rear for speeding on pit road. So a costly penalty for Bush... Uh, and he has to, to go to the back where, where we start the, uh, the final stage. And, and Kurt Busch, who, let me say, had a sweet paint job on his car. Uh, that was one of the most stylish, good-looking paint jobs that uh, I have seen on a NASCAR in a long time.
1: Yeah, and for all you sneakerheads out there or just Michael Jordan fans, the car was a throwback. Jordan three it, camo type paint job that I will second that, that that was one of the sweetest paint jobs or, or wraps that I have seen in NASCAR ever. So, um, with him being, you know, Jordan being the owner of the team and, and sponsoring the car, it looked great. It just added to, to the storylines. And, you know, I, as it played out, it was
0: just really cool to see that car being so fast. 72 to go in the race And this one was a big one. Uh, Chase Elliott loses a wheel, another wheel issue, spins out, gets stuck in the grass, and a lot of teams have this driver on their on their fantasy uh, lineup. He's been pretty consistent this year, and this was actually his worst finish of the year. So he finished 29th in this race. Uh, 26th in California was his uh, next worst and then 14th. So pretty good results from him this year and and a pretty pretty tough break for, for the nine car. We had more penalties on pit road. So we had the 23 of Bubba Wallace to the rear for an uncontrolled tire. So we had the 23 car and 11 car. Hamlin's involved in both of those loose uh loose tire. So not good and then Harvick uh to the rear for speeding. We had Kyle Larson leading, battling with Kurt Busch and there was a, a time where it looked like Kyle Larson had the faster car, but as the runs went on, it was pretty clear that that the 45 had the faster car. Um with 39 to go, we had our eighth caution and there was two saves that I really want to talk about one Harvick had where he kind of clipped the wall, but, but was kind of almost, uh, sliding down the track and was able to save it, uh, after Kyle Larson had, had saved his car earlier in the stage, uh, two really impressive. I know they showed the replay a couple of times cause it was hard to believe that he didn't lose control of that car. Uh, so really good driving from, from Harvick and Larson. And then the lead just kept shrinking. And and Larson really just was trying to hold on. Uh, ultimately, he couldn't do it. His car just couldn't. Uh, it was just a little too loose, and and Kurt Busch was too fast. And he makes the pass with eight to go, and and wins the race. So Kurt Busch in that sweet paint job is your winner at Kansas, and he's the first driver this year to win stage two, and then go on to win the race. So pretty impressive. Uh, run from Kurt Busch, and uh, pretty exciting, pretty exciting Kansas race.
1: Yeah, you know when you look at Kansas from an overall standpoint, it just seemed like the left rear tire became the main storyline. Like you said, I mean, even the announcers and commentators were saying, you know, oh, we've reached lap twenty. Uh, who's going to have the next tire issue? So that was something that kind of just plagued the race all along. But um, overall, there was at least six drivers that had tire issues with. Chase Elliott, Christopher Bell, Martin Truex, Suarez, being you know some of the big name drivers that actually had tire issues on the track. And when you look at the results, Toyota just dominated Kansas. Uh, it's it was cool to see Kurt Busch win in the Jordan car. The rest of you know Joe Gibbs, um, Martin Truex had a good race. Bell had a good race. Uh, Kyle Busch, uh, I thought you know he had a chance there to win it, but the other Bush brother. Uh, ended up victorious, but again, you just look at the standings, and and I think all the Toyota drivers, the main Toyota drivers, finished in the top ten, which is pretty impressive from from a manufacturer standpoint. In regards to just you know what people think about Kansas, Jeff Gluck, who's on Twitter, uh, puts out a poll after every race and and kind of gets everyone's opinions and and votes to see what they thought of the race. And uh, according to his his poll that he put out on Monday. of the people voted that yes, Kansas was a good race. That number is mind-blowing when you think about the number of people who voted as well as, you know, Kansas typically isn't isn't a good race. But with that polling, it ranks number one out of the last 13 spring race uh, votes out there, which I thought was pretty impressive, uh, and, from an overall standpoint, I thought that was one of the better Kansas races that i've that I have seen to this point,
0: yeah. and I mean, kansas is is not known for for excitement. And this was i mean, it's not the most exciting race that we've ever seen, but it was entertaining enough. Uh, I think the the battling back and forth between kurt bush and and Larson was entertaining, obviously a pass within ten laps of the final or the checkered flag is is exciting Um, but yeah it was a a a fairly good race at at kansas
1: and and one thing before we move on it it is amazing how strong this new car is kyle larson hit the wall at least four or five times and if this was last year that car he he would have been in pit road and, and ultimately in the garage uh, the, the fenders on the old car caved in pretty easy and, and you'd cut, iron, cut tires pretty fast. So it, it was fun to see him being able to rim right up there on the top line, the high line and and still, you know, hit the wall and and keep going. I mean, there were plenty of times where you thought, OK, you know, Larson's done for the day, but he just kept going. Um, now, one thing that I, I do want to point out is if you think about how Kurt Busch. Past Larson, you know, he kind of squeezed him up high. It almost looked very similar to what Byron uh, may or may not have done to Logano at Darlington. And, and Larson ended up getting into the wall, and his crew chief went over to the radio and basically just said, "The 45 put us in the wall." And, and, and this is one thing that I think is really cool is Kyle Larson immediately got on the radio and said, "He did not get me in the wall. I basically did it myself. I was trying, I was trying to push the car just a little bit too hard." So. I just thought that was really cool, you know, from a storyline standpoint, as well as basically look pretty similar to what happened in Darlington coming off turn two with Logano and Byron and, and it happened to to Bush and Larson and Larson did not say it was, pay, you know, retaliation or anything like that, or didn't feel like he was, he was wrong. So I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. It's a difference between Logano's reaction and Kyle Larson. So Kyle Larson's. Driving a race car, you know, 190 miles an hour, and could have easily got pissed off and and wanted to get back at at uh, you know Kurt Busch for for passing him that way, but you know took ownership, took accountability, and uh, he knows he can if he's going to beat him, he's going to beat him with a faster race car. So uh, like to see that from from uh, Kyle Larson for sure. So one thing we talked about last week, Zach was. Uh, Harvick streak. And they talk about the, uh, the announcers jinx. We might've had a, a podcaster jinx here. You, you bring it up and Harvick finished out of the top 10. His streak is over.
1: Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take full blame on that one. It's unfortunate that he finished P fifteen. definitely on you. Yeah, I'll take the blame. That's fine. I got him on both my, on both my fantasy team. So, you, you know, P 15 is not terrible, but from a man that has historically dominated Kansas, uh it, it was kind of uh, you know, sad to see that he just couldn't get up in the top ten. And if you just look at, you know, from a season standpoint, you know, he's he's finished in the back end of the top ten. He's had some decent runs, but it just doesn't seem like like Stewart Hot ha- Ra- Stuart Haas racing as a as a whole or a team has been really that fast all year. So that'll be something to keep keep your eyes on moving forward just to see if Harvick can maybe uh pick up the pace and, and, you know, contend for top tens and top fives from a more consistent
0: standpoint. Is he done? Is he done as a driver? Is he, I mean, one championship, you know, I. what's the future for, for Harvick, do you think?
1: So they asked him that to start the year uh, with, with this new next-gen car, and, and he's under contract through 2023. So he basically told whoever asked him the question is, He's going to fulfill his contract and at least race until 2023, which is one more season. And after that, I could definitely see him hanging him up. Uh, He's got a son who's big into racing, you know, go karts and and maybe some quarter midgets or whatever he's racing in. So he's got some something else to focus his time on. And then he has his management uh, business that you know has some UFC fighters and some other uh, athletes. So he's kind of getting into the sports agent type. Role so he's got other ventures out ahead of himself but I, I could definitely see him hanging him up after next year for sure. Looking at the NASCAR season as, as a whole this year, I thought this was a pretty fun stat. Um, so far out of 13 races this year there have been 11 winners. So when you think about you know when they when they started this new playoff format three, four five, six years ago, however long it's been, the old adage of, of you win and get in has ranked true uh, every year. And this year might be the first year that drivers might be concerned or might have to win multiple races to get into the playoffs. Because uh, if this streak keeps, keeps up, there might be one or two drivers in the playoffs that, or, or miss the playoffs that have at least one win under the belt. So that'll be another storyline to follow here as as the, the rest of the season plays out to see if, uh, if more than the one or two drivers who have a win don't make the playoffs.
0: In order for that to happen, we would need we would need six more winners for that scenario to take place for somebody to win and not get in. Yep, and there's 13 more races before the playoffs, so it's definitely possible. So, looking at the drivers who haven't won a race, who are who are some of the let's see if we can find six six wins.
1: I can think of three, four, maybe even five five drivers right now at this at this junction that should probably have a win under the belt uh, this year or by the time the playoffs start. First guy that I can think of off the top of my head is Ryan Blaney. I mean, he's top five sure. in points this year. He's got a fast car. He just hasn't won a race yet. So he he would be probably the most likely to win a race. My boy, Martin Truex Jr. He's starting to show some speed. Toyota seems like they kind of turned the corner and and Joe Gibbs racing. He's putting together some pretty consistent runs now. So the, um, I could see him potentially winning a race. And you think about Christopher Bell, he had a fast car at Kansas. They're really good at these, you know, intermediate race tracks. And he's also a really good road course driver. So there's some potential races coming up that he could win. So, I mean, there's three drivers right there. Reddick's had a fast car all year, but it just seems like he's feast or famine. Like I've said before, he either finishes in the top five or 10 or unfortunately DNFs or, or finishes toward the back of the pack. So, I mean, say those four guys win that gets you fifteen different winners, so that's pretty close still need to 16. two more still need two more though, and you have you have road courses which I mean anybody can win at a road course, especially if pit strategy or or some crazy wrecks happen, and then you always have you know another super speedway race at Daytona. you have all the you know there's just so many different tracks that. Play into these guys' hands, so don't don't think this is impossible. It's it's probably <laughs> unlikely, but I, I definitely can see this being the year where you know even if you have a win, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get in.
0: Yeah, I would. It would be interesting to see. I don't think it's very likely. I don't think it's going to happen. I think there's we've kind of you named a couple three of those drivers that probably will get a win, but uh, we'll push the sixteen. But with this new car, you never know what they're going to what they're going to be able to do and the changes that they're going to make for these teams.
1: And and just to point out, if you look at the schedule, Daytona is the last race before the playoffs start. Anybody can win at Daytona. So if there is 16 winners to that point, that race could be even more entertaining than what it historically has been. Uh, So that is something to pay attention to and look for come Daytona.
0: I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love <laughs> to see that. That would be that would be fantastic. So, uh, let's get into the fantasy discussion. And team average this week was a lot lower than last week, so only sixty six points. Uh, no change to the highest and lowest scores of the year. So, just a, a, a pretty solid week. Lower averages for the teams. We did have some sh- shakeups in the top 10, though. So let's look at the, the top 10 after Kansas. Number one, we have a new leader. Dennis Musich moves up three spots to number one. Taylor Schleiss has no change and stays at number two. The big mover of the week, Tracy Norton, number one, moved up from number nine to number three, so up six spots. Steve Rolfus, number four, was our leader for last week, and he falls three spots to number four. Bigger Sandwich, one of my teams, is up three spots to number five. Adam Holtz moved up one to number six. And Tammy Colby makes return back to the top ten after a week off, and uh, she is in seventh, up from 19th. Justin Norton, number three, moves up two spots to number eight. Fast Eddie, one of the two teams that lost spots this week, dropped to number nine, down three, and Austin Colby moves back into the uh, to the top ten, moving up from twelfth uh, into tenth. So, two new teams into the top ten. We it means we had two teams fall out. Even bigger sandwich. Uh, my other team is fell out to fourteenth, and Don Brockman fell to eleventh.
1: You know, I hate to say this, man, but I, I love seeing you fall out of the top ten. I, and I yeah, hope, I'm sure I hope, you do.
0: I hope a lot of your <laughs> teams
1: struggle here to finish the
0: year because there's too many you know,
1: Rolfus and sandwiches in the top ten.
0: But I, I do want to say I don't see any any Zach Dick teams in there. So well, you look, uh, you
1: look. Both I got one in the playoffs there, Fringe Finch. You know, 22nd, and then I got another in like 28. So. I'm knocking on the door. Just wait. Just give it maybe, time.
0: Maybe Norton will will do a almost top twenty five for you, so that you can <laughs> we can mention your name here on the podcast. Yeah, I would appreciate that. I would
1: appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, when you when you look at the risers this week, uh, the biggest risers from an overall standpoint. Keeley Park went from P thirty six to P seventeen. Rob Rolfus, Uncle Rob, went from P fifty nine to P forty two. Another Rolfus, hold it down. There you go. Rolfus family well represented. Uh, And Mark Paulson went from P41 to P26. So you look at those three guys or three teams and and you kind of look at who they have. And, you know, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, Martin Truex are some of the big names on their teams uh, that kind of led them to to those big gains, which, of course, you think about the, the drivers in the, you know, finishing the top 10. It always helps when you've got quite a few of those guys in the top 10. Biggest followers this week, we have Lisa, Lisa Abel from P-42 to P-60. Tracy Norton, number three, went from P-38 to P-54. And we, uh, Dave Braman number one, hope I said that right, uh, went from P-58 to P-74. Look at those teams. Forrest Chase Elliott had a bad week. Uh, Kyle Larson's on there surprisingly. There, you know, two of those teams, actually, all three of those teams had Kyle Larson, so um, that was kind of puzzling to me. But uh, a couple of those teams had Raddick as well. So you know, Ellie and Radick had bad weeks. It's going to hurt your team from that standpoint. When you look at it, uh, the swaps. There was three swaps this week. Kurt Busch was swapped out for Truex. Another Kurt Busch swap for Ross Chastain. And Harrison Burton was swapped out for Amarola. So I don't have the exact stat, but I wonder if anybody has Harrison Burton now um, a- after that swap. It seems like everyone's jumping ship on Harrison Burton.
0: So we had two people swap out Kurt Busch, and then Kurt Busch goes out and wins. So those teams are probably... Kicking themselves. One of those is my father-in-law, so uh, I know he was sending me some angry text messages as he was watching the race, uh, as he watched Kurt Busch win. So it's always a gamble with those swaps. Remember, the last day to swap this is uh, the All-Star race, so that's this weekend. So if you haven't swapped your player and your driver, and you want to switch it up, maybe give yourself a better chance. You have a few days left here before the, uh, the start of the All-Star race. So let's take a look at some of the storylines that we are following as our Rookie of the Year. So like we said last week, we have 18 total new teams for this year. And interestingly enough, we have four teams that are rookies that are in the playoffs. Eddie Bager is in P15. Robert Schaefer, my uncle from West Virginia is in P 17 Keely Park is in P 17. So she just moved up from P 36. She was one of, of your big risers, Zach. Yep. Uh, yep, yep. Brad Larson is in P 22 in the playoffs. And then the fifth is just on the outside in 25th. And that's, uh, chance Foster's Bush Bush and busher team uh again rooting for you to to make the playoffs that's a fantastic name uh but some really good performances for some rookies
1: yeah i think it i think it's fun to see the you know these first time entries into the fantasy league and, and and doing well you know they're they're either in the playoffs right now or they're knocking on the door like both you know one of my teams are uh it, it's just fun to see and and hopefully you just create some more excitement here as we
0: move forward. So as we look towards the playoffs, I know we're, we're right at the all-star break, but it's never too early to start looking at the playoffs. Reminder, the top 24 teams make the playoffs. We have a very tight leaderboard and nobody's really running away with anything here. We've got 47 teams within a hundred points of the leader. So with 13 weeks to go, that can pretty much be anybody. And, First to twenty fourth on the final playoff spot is only fifty four points, so it's pretty wild uh how tight these these standings are and and really how how many teams are are still in this yeah, I agree a hundred percent again you you think about the schedule coming up they've
1: got a new track down in St Louis that's coming up you've got a couple road course races you got another another race at Crap Lana is what I call it, but Atlanta's Your in the middle.
0: track. I can't track.
1: stand that racetrack, but I, I hate what they did to that racetrack, but that's, that's coming up again on the schedule. And then again, you think about, you think about Daytona. Um, that is the last race before the, before the playoffs start. And, and, and as you know, anything can happen at Daytona. You have Michael Bedow who wins Trevor Bain wins. I mean, just guys that come out of nowhere to win that race. So, uh it, it, anything can happen and and as you said the uh, the top 24 people in, in the standings are, are so close to one another that a- anyone a- anyone at any time can can make some pretty big jumps here as we
0: as we move throughout the season so it's going to be fun to see how it all shakes out and looking at the standings as as it ends if it were to end today we've got the last four out of the playoffs so these teams would just miss would be Bush, Bush, Busher, Mark Paulson, Big Samich, which is the original uh, team, my rival, Big Samich, and Zach Dick number one. So one of your teams would be one of the first four out, and then the last four in are Brad Larson, Amy Wise. I don't know how to say that. Hopefully, I said that right. Uh, Zach Dick number two and Dave brahman number three so those would be your last four into the playoffs if it were to start today
1: yeah as i said i got i mean one team in one team on the on the you know knocking on the door so i'm, I'm hoping my team can make some headway here over the next couple of weeks and give myself some breathing room because you know, you know the standings are just so tight that you have one one bad week and, and you're going to fall pretty far so um it, it makes it fun though from from a Fantasy standpoint, you know, seeing so many people in contention here as as the as the season goes on, so it'll it'll be fun to see how it all plays out.
0: yep, most likely your team is still still in it, so don't give up and if you haven't done those swaps, make sure you get your swaps in and give yourself the best chance to to make the playoffs
1: yeah, and uh, when you think about the race this weekend it's it's not really it's not a points race, so you basically get a week off here, but it's the all star race in Texas. And for you diehard NASCAR fans, you know that no, you know it used to be at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and then they moved it to Texas. Here, I don't know if it was a year or two ago, however long it's been. But the All Star Race is down in Texas this year. It's this weekend. If you think about what happened last year, um, ba- basically they have an open race, and the winner of that open race advances to the actual All Star Race. And last year, Eric Almirola won it. There was a lot of beating and banging, a lot of cars that were just you know, look terrible, but they were all just trying to win it, you know, win that race and get in. So uh it'll it'll be fun to see how competitive that that open race will be to get to the all-star race. There's always a fan vote. There's one one guy or one driver that that wins the fan vote and is able to to race in the All-Star race. And and last year Norton's one of Norton's favorite drivers, you know, in the past, Matt Matty D, Matt (laughs) DiBenedetto uh won the fan vote. So he was able to race and you think about the actual all-star race itself. Um, Larson eventually won that race, but his car was just so fast last year. It'll be fun to see if he's just as fast as he was last year or if, or if there's some more players
0: uh, at the table. One thing to keep in mind here is we got these new cars. And you mentioned the the destruction that some of these cars took last year. And we've, we know how fragile those were. And how easy they were to to bend bumpers and fenders and stuff. So with these tougher cars, which we know can take a beating, it'll be interesting to see how far these drivers are willing to push these cars and how far they're able to push them, uh, with them being able to take some additional damage.
1: Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point there, Josh. I I, I think there's going to be a lot more a lot more bumping and banging at the at this race bring Um, it on let's see it yeah it's going to be awesome to watch it's going to give us a lot of entertainment so uh, i just hope the drivers you know some of them might might take uh take on us and and basically you know race as hard as they possibly can and I, i think there's going to be some feelings hurt out of this race and it'll be interesting to see if that then leads into some bigger or more rivals for from a fan standpoint to watch as as the season goes on but you think back again to the Dallas race last year. Willie Byron, Blaney, Chase Elliott, all had fast cars, and and again, they've all been really fast this year. So it'll be interesting to see if somebody else, kind of, you know, like the first guy that I can think of is Ross Chastain. Can he keep this momentum going? Can can he have another fast car here? And as we've seen in the past, he's not afraid to move people or or rough people up to to get the win. And when this is no points on the line it's all about the money i think you're going to see a lot of, a lot of fun racing and
0: and we'll see who comes out victorious especially in the open when they're they're racing to get into the the all-star race because it, they got nothing to lose at that point so they might as well just bump it and and race it as hard as they can and and try to to make the the, the all-star race so should be yeah it's an exciting weekend and a, and a good break for the for the drivers and fans
1: yep and if i mean, i just pulled up a quick uh, a quick poll or 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 the results here for the top four drivers right now who are leading a fan boat and uh eric jones Corey Lejoy, tyler reddick and daniel suarez right now are the top four four vote getters for that for that fan boat so um cory we, we'll huh so he's got a podcast called stacking pennies and Uh, He he's a pretty, you know, likable guy and pretty respected. So uh, I'm not surprised to see that on there. You know, he he gets everything out of his car that he possibly can. You know, he's not in top tier stuff. He's not the best guy out there, but he sure gives it his all. And um, it's fun to see, you know, drivers that you typically don't see in the top 20 or top 25 kind of have kind of have some fans out there that want to see him, you know, make it to the all star race.
0: I I knew he had a podcast. I I wasn't I didn't know that he was uh as popular with the fans as as he is. So that's that's surprising to me. So um good stuff. I can't wait to to watch the race. Agreed
1: 100%. So for all you guys out there again, this is this is the week to get your to get your driver swaps in if if you're not confident in your team or or you just want to shake things up, this is the week to do it. The, the deadline's this weekend. So go ahead and get those sent to Justin Norton or
0: and so looking towards next week's episode, obviously we're not going to have a, a real race to, to recap. We, we are trying to get some guests on here and do some interviews and some live uh, conversations with some, some Fantasy League members. So we are working on that. We're trying to get the timing and, and stuff set up. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. And Zach, been a pleasure and enjoy the all-star race can't wait to hear what you have to think and uh go chase elliot
1: <laughs> sounds good i'm uh, i'm really looking forward to this all-star race i think it's going to be one of the best ones that we've seen so far especially with the uh the cars being what they are and y- you sure can do a
0: lot of damage to these things and they just keep going so
1: it's gonna be a fun race to watch i hope everyone tunes in and,
0: and gives it a watch all right guys thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week